Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? Or in the case of today, we're interviewing who? I'm your host, Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and I'm very excited to welcome my guest, Dice Tsutsumi. He is one of the co-founders of Tonko House, which is an animation house. He was an art director, and now he is the director of Oni, Thunder God's Tale, which is a new mini-series, essentially, out on Netflix. It's a gorgeous piece of animation about a, a group of gods and monsters in Japanese nature. We don't technically spoil Oni, but I highly recommend you watch it before listening to this. And without further ado, here's We're Interviewing Who? Okay, I want to start off with... What would your kushi be? My kushi would be shapeshifting. Oh, care to elaborate? <laughs> I don't know. Like, you know, just trying to, uh, I love to experience what it's like to be someone else or something else. Tell me if I'm reading too much into it, but I do feel like the path of your career kind of resembles that. You know, you started in one section of the art world and now you're directing Yes, no. Yeah, you know, that you're right. I think um, always uh, I never wanted to limit myself with the definition of who I am uh, that's created either by myself or by other people around me. And not necessarily it goes well always, but, you know, some it's it's I love discovering like myself through just forcing myself to be something else different, you know. Is there one key thing or insight about yourself that you like unlocked through working on Oni? That's a very good question. We, you know, I'm assuming I, I should try to simplify my answer, but uh, without getting no, into details. No, go deep. <laughs> oh, you know, I think at the end of the day, Oni is uh, a story of the relationship between a father and daughter and, you know, me being a parent and also my relationship with, with my mother who raised myself and my sister alone uh in in japan in 80s you know which is very difficult for women you know uh single mother and um through the project uh i learned in a way what it means to be a parent uh in a strong way i've been a parent for 10 years now you know my son is 10 and but through oni there's something I learned in particular what my mother had taught me over the years, which I didn't quite get until the moment. And, you know, it really kind of guided us to sort of uh, create the story of Naridon. I absolutely love the dynamic between Naridon and his daughter. And one of the things that I sadly, or not a bad way, related to is the, the embarrassment, you know, when a parent is expressing their love and it's showing up and bringing the lunch. And I feel like we've all experienced that, like, mom, dad, why are you here <laughs> moment? Yeah. So my question to you is, what is the most embarrassing thing your mom did to you that now as a parent, you understand was like purely motivated out of love and care? But as a child, you were probably like, this is the worst day of my life. Oh, yeah. It's one of those things like, uh, you know, whenever there was like an occasion, my mom wants to comb my hair and, you know, like, I guess trying to make myself look good, but I hated it. I hated it. Right. Just having the hair in a certain way. That's just not me. I'm like, ah, you know, I always just try to mess, mess up my hair as soon as she does anything to it. What's really interesting is my son's doing the same thing these days, you know, and, and, you know, just watching my son and just like really uncomfortable when his mother, you know, my wife does anything to his fashion, <laughs> you know, that was definitely one of them. Okay. A pet peeve. This is going to be a leap, but 
speaking of hair, the hair and the textures and just like the whole visual, it felt very tactile, which is different than some of the other Tonko House productions. So what sort of inspired the change? Um, also the animation style, right? It's it's uh, very, it reminded me a little bit of like stop motion meets like more stylized WB. Yeah. Care to elaborate? <laughs> so the concept of, you know, um, Japanese folklore, you know, uh, one of the biggest thing about Japanese folklore is this term called the Yaoyorozu no Kami, which means eight million gods. And basically what it is, is that it's, it's uh, you know, Japanese tradition is animism and they find spirit and gods and life in every single object around you, whether it's nature or non-nature or everything is a soul. Every, everything has a soul and you admire or you respect. And um, that beauty of the, uh, the culture, I really loved, you know, growing up and I, particularly love now you know and um so having this project actually this project started as a stop motion full stop motion project because it felt appropriate when stop motion is all about the actual tactile physical uh, objects and it basically give life to it right so stop motion felt very appropriate for this particular project unfortunately i don't know about unfortunately because story got big and story mm-hmm. got epic, you know, especially towards the end of the the, the whole uh, in in chapter three and four, it got serious and deep and and heavy, and uh, we felt that we had to use the medium we're most comfortable with, which is mm-hmm. CG. And you know, as you know, a lot of us, the core members of Tonkos, came from Pixar, and we know about CG more than 2D animation or stop motion animation, so. We had to make a switch, but the feel and the look of uh, stop motion uh, animation that we try to achieve in the beginning, I loved, 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 loved. And we try to capture that stop motion feel as much as possible, even in CG, so that people can believe that it's a, it's a tactile world, something that people really immerse themselves in. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. And we're back. Yeah, I, I think you aggressively succeeded because I was just like, I want to touch <laughs> that much. I just want to pet everything, which, I, yeah, it's a very weird sensation. I would imagine that this comes with logistical challenges. So what do you think the most logistically challenging scene was? A lot, lot of them. I mean, you know, granted, it is a, a series categorized as a series, but we made a movie, right? We made one yep. story. It's not episodic structure, story structure. So... Everything, you know, about Oni, we try to bring the cinematic storytelling, cinematic visuals, and that's hard. You know, uh, we're still, we still live in the days, you know, the world of, uh, strangely, there's a difference between series and feature length, you know, production, um, which I don't know why, because in the streaming world, people watch movies on a streaming net, you know, streaming platform and yeah. Why do we have to distinguish? But, you know, we're under a category of a series. So our schedule and, you know, budget is very challenging, you know, to mm-hmm. create the, the, the cinematic uh, experience. So everything was challenging to kind of go back to your question. However, if you look at the last chapter, last episode, mm-hmm. there are tons of tons of effects, tons of um, uh, sort of crowd animations and, mm-hmm. you know, dynamic shots and 
So that was really challenging just by default, you know? Um, sure. And then also I want to point out, like, uh, there was a very challenging shot for a moment where that might not be super uh, important for plot, but emotionally and even, you know, sort of background of the characters and stuff, I, it was important to me, which is the, uh, you know, natto, the fermented beans, uh, Japanese mm-hmm. fermented beans. Um, in the first episode, uh, Naridon's mixing this gooey natto beans. And and uh, that's a very technically complex uh, shot. And I love natto. A lot of people hate natto because it smells. Um, and I, it was really important for me to just capture that sort of believability of natto. And uh, our production partner in Japan, Megalis team, did a wonderful job to create it. But it was hard. It reminded me, for me, it's like stinky tofu is my equivalent, right? Where yeah. it's like, people yeah. don't like Very it, much. but it's still, you know, it's if you get used to it, which doesn't visually look as challenging as the stickiness of. Um, but that's it's a great segue into what do you think the most emotionally challenging scene was to get right? It actually is also a scene with food. Uh, it's in the final chapter where, you know, just trying to avoid a spoiler, but basically there is a low moment for mm-hmm. our protagonist, Onari, and uh, she's sitting with this new friend, Calvin, mm-hmm. and um, he shares this sandwich, a PB&J sandwich with her. Uh, she's never had a PB&J before. Yeah. That moment uh, was something... I really wanted to do from the very beginning, basically how human emotion is affected, not by a head, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's not like there's information and then you get emotional. That moment is so much about the emotion is triggered by your sort of primal need, basically in that moment is her hunger. Mm -hmm. And once that's filled, she starts to be able to feel something that she couldn't even feel before so she had this really shocking uh news earlier and she basically went numb and then in that moment calvin's pb and j sandwich unlocks her true emotion and that animation was very challenging because it had to be right it it couldn't be literal it had to be all about the emotion no dialogue and it's just onari you know breaking down because of one of her sort of body primal knees is filled and um our animator and his animation supervisor toshi nakamura he he totally aced it he totally pulled it together uh beautifully um it, it is still my favorite scene in the whole film and it's a powerful scene it's that sort of emotional and physical void, mm-hmm. hopefully without giving out way too many spoilers. You said that had been it from in the story and, and percolating from the beginning. What do you think the biggest change was from the first version of this that y'all were kicking around to the one that we see on screen? We started off uh, considering, you know, this is a series project. It, we started off as a little bit more lighter uh, hmm. story, even though the basic structure of where it goes and what she discovers and it was all there but it did become a lot more cinematic a lot more a lot bigger i think at the end of the day a lot of us 
just love movie storytelling so much that we just kind of ignore the fact that it's a series. You know, let's not categorize ourselves, you know, almost like kind of similar to what happened in my career. Don't categorize yourself as an art director. Like, if you have a story, tell your story, you know. Um, similar to that, I think we just did what we felt right. And it just got, story did get bigger, even though we thought it would be impossible to pull that off uh, within the restrictions we had uh, for this project. But uh, yeah, it got bigger and, you know, really kudos to all our team members who just pushed to get it right. You know, all the environments and all the sets used to be a smaller set, smaller world, got bigger, you know. And I was just so afraid we wouldn't be able to build anything close to quality we're hoping for. But we did. I mean, our team did. I I was just so blown away by the passion and dedication that team brought to this project. Speaking of the team, you know, I I told you before we started recording, but I remember when y'all were like kind of like a skunk works and you were using like the back of my office as like a production office. So what do you think the biggest change from Tonko House of the Dam Keeper short days to the Tonko House of Oni has been definitely you know oni is the biggest project we've done by far uh in terms of scale um not just the scale of the story but scale of the the team we carried and um uh we had incredible production partners in japan and uh some freelance people from all over the world which we didn't think it was possible, but then pandemic kind of forced us to do it. And it actually worked out beautifully. You know, there are some talents we dreamed of working, but we couldn't work because they're far away. But we worked with everybody remotely on this production. I think the biggest difference is really that purely the scale. Mm-hmm. But also, I think, you know, uh, Tonka House has been around for eight years now. And it, it's it's been very challenging to say the least you know just to run uh an independent studio especially in the climate of climate of the society where big companies just keep buying small companies and it's really hard for small business small voices you know minority voices you know it's everything is just becoming bigger and more in favor of people with power but not necessarily people with you know small kind of strength you know a uh, little mm-hmm. strength so you know just having tonkas kind of go through that uh the challenges i think only just meant so much more than you know it just a, a one series project we did i think it it was it's it's an achievement of uh our sort of dreams um that we never thought we would be able to achieve you know, there were so many moments we we were going to give up, you know, but then every time we were like so down, so ready to quit, there were people who'd come in and lift us up, support us. And all the Tonkos families and, you know, people who came to help us or even people who aren't necessarily a part of Tonkos company, but then within the community, people got us you know a lot of support and I think that's how we got here with owning what do you do in those moments when you are being challenged by you know the 
climate of the industry that you're in, like, what do you tell yourself to keep going? I know it sounds like, you know, outside support is always helpful, but like, what is your sort of intrinsic mantra? I think Robert and myself, you know, two sort of uh, kind of Asian kids in America, you know, that we are like, not only Asian, but also like short and, you know, like small and kind of introverts. And I think we just go by the, you know, underdog kind of mentality. We always love the story of underdogs, whether it's a literature or movies, or I think that's kind of how we are. So the more challenges that we have in front of us, we tend to just get excited, you know, and sometimes they put us in the really wrong spot because we tend to just not go with the mainstream, you know, but at the same time, I think especially after, I would say like in the beginning, it was just me and Robert, right? But then over the years, you know, as we grew, Tonkas became a lot more than myself and Robert, you know, have tons of tons of talents and, you know, people who I identify as Tonkas as much as myself and Robert. And I think our motivation became a lot stronger so it, because it's no longer just about us, you know? Right. And it's, it's, a, it's, an, it's a really powerful feeling, you know, whether or not we can continue to sustain our business, but at least we had that feeling of community, you know, it's beyond the company, you know, um, and beyond just the business. Is it fair to say that it's sort of like becoming a parent where you're like, I'm responsible for the, you know, the, the outcomes and the lives of these people who have joined our like family? <laughs> That's an interesting thing to say. Um, I thought about that too every once in a while, but. Obviously they're mostly grown adults, but you know. <laughs> yeah, but one wonderful thing about the people who have come to, you know, collaborate with us at Tonko House, they're, they're so talented that it, we, we don't necessarily have to worry about them. So, you know, being a parent uh, and, and ha- like feeling the obligation to take care of them, every once in a while we, we do have that, but mostly we don't because these guys are way bigger than our, you know, Tonko house, you know, but they happen to have the motivation to collaborate with us, not necessarily seeking the security or job from us, but it's more like they're motivated to work with us. So, and I, I do think it's healthy that we don't try to take care of our employees, but it's more like we want to create the space where people can come and express and, and find mm-hmm. the opportunity to grow and use Tonkas as their stepping stones. And mm-hmm. and uh, that is really important to us, you know, um, whether or not we can create security. Probably this is definitely not a secure place to be, uh, unfortunately, but. I confidently can say that we can provide growth Creative security. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to go back to the story of underdogs. I ask everyone this question. Growing up, who was your favorite fictional character? I mean, let me th- think about it. There are a lot of them. I mean, you know. <laughs> it can be live action. It can be animation. It can be from books. Yeah. Um, I grew up in Japan, so I don't know how you or your listeners would recognize any of that uh one is this there's a live action drama series that went on for i don't know 20 30 years in japan um called uh, kita no kunikara almost like uh, from the land of north or something like that it's it's basically about this family who lived in this really countryside of uh, northern japan and they moved from the city so mm. they st- they have to learn 
all the, sort of like a, the fish out of water. <laughs> yeah, challenges, you know, living yeah. in the countryside. But the drama series basically used the same actors throughout. Mm. So basically, you grow up with the characters. I mean, when I watched the, in the beginning, like, I think the main characters of my age, like, they were like my age in the beginning, you know. Yeah. And then as they grew, they went through just like everybody else, life challenges, life challenges. And it, it is an underdog story, you know. And really, like, the father is trying to teach, you know, what, what is important in life, you know. And there are a lot of, uh, there are a few homage scenes from that show that I put it in Oni. Oh. Um, so Japanese people would recognize it because it's a very famous uh, show in Japan. But yeah, I, I, there's something about it I always gravitated towards um, ones that are not expected or even, you know, even uh, admired or anybody, like, you know, basically someone who's just forgotten. But through perseverance and through, you know, uh, hard work and they basically find some sort of achievement, whether or not mm -hmm. it's the achievement they wanted in the beginning or not, you know. And I always kind of resonated uh, those stories with myself. Yeah. That is a perfect segue into my last question, because I would love to know, how do you define personal success now? And how has that definition changed from when you were younger or earlier in your career? Mm, thank you. That's a very, very good question. Yeah, obviously, like when I was younger, you know, I wanted to be a baseball player. Um, that's <laughs> like uh, when I was young. Sure. I couldn't achieve that dream. And then after a while, like, you know, w once I got into animation, you know, um, I wanted to work at a place like Disney or Pixar. And I got that, you know, in the middle of my career. But I got to say, that's a finite goal. And I think it's really important. Um, and I, I realized throughout my career that a finite goal is great as a goal. But, you know, it cannot be the most important thing. Instead, I think infinite goal... For example, um, what I'm really passionate about is, am I chasing uh, my own growth? For example, that is the infinite goal that I would love to chase, continue to chase. And I would say my dream is that, you know, when I'm at the age of, let's say, 80 years old or, you know, for, exact, for, exa for example, like Hayao Miyazaki is like 83 or something right now, 82 maybe. He is still making a feature film. The dream is not about the fact that he's making a movie. I think dream is that he's still chasing to explore what he can still share to the world. He's still chasing his own growth. That is my dream. I want to be in that place. Whether or not I'm making a movie or painting or even just not doing anything that's related to what I'm doing, I just want to be chasing my own growth. That is an awesome definition. Thank you so much. I think we are at time, but congrats on the project. I, I really enjoyed it. And it's been awesome watching y'all just like succeed so much and, it, you know, rooting for you. <laughs> thank you so much. Really appreciate it. A huge thank you to Dice. Oni, Thunder God's Tale is out streaming now on Netflix. And if you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.